that there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them so that there's a variety of viewpoints but there's a choice for the public. You shouldn't be trying to turn this into a subsequent media circus. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm just disconcertedly mumbling to myself. <laughs> you did a good job. Oh, okay, well, welcome back, everyone. This is to part two of our uh, episode on the US journalism series. You don't have to listen to part one, but it would make sense. You get a little more context on why we're doing it and why it's a little different than normal. Mm-hmm. My name is Coward Huntington. I'm Rachel. I'm Zeb. Op- op- Opeds is a podcast exploring where our opinions and perspectives actually come from when we research and consume news media and this that is our first this is our first part two you this is our first part two ever yeah i don't know no, if it's appealing no, for he people does not. who are listening <laughs> little I do like you the know burps. they add character they add character to, comfort to me into the show class okay people would feel uncomfortable if i wasn't burping okay. what did you guys think of i'm interested to know what you guys think of my first meme that oh, I yeah, ever I made. really liked it. What was I your was first confused meme? by you it for a go. second, but then I figured it out and I, <laughs> I don't think I saw your meme. Zeb, you don't oh, go on our God. Instagram ever. You need to be helping support us. You need to you like not, every post you're we not, make. Yeah, you're not very supportive. I made that incredible promo video. That was me. That's true. We need well, to repost that, I think. Anna we gave my, uh, Anna gave my first meme a resounding thumbs down. <gasps> I've been told oh, it no. doesn't It doesn't make sense. Wait, let me see. I want to see it again. I've misrepresented... Anna's opinion on my meme. Maybe she was actually very supportive, but just said it didn't make much sense. So that being said, just in case I get in trouble. As someone who's turning almost 30, I'd be surprised if you <laughs> don't understand how memes work. Are you <laughs> turning me. almost 30? That's not true. How old are you? No, next year I'm 30. <gasps> really? Tom, A year and one crazy. month, I'm 30, 30 years old, 30 years young. Wow, oh, this one. Wild. Oh, yeah. Oh, and wait. I'm, they made my first meme. Oh, wait, wait. <gasps> which, which meme did you make? The, the 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 Fox News is looking at a oh, protest. Oh, I thought this was just a mo- meme that you found. Oh, a that's such a good thing. That's a good thing. There you go. That's a compliment. Kids were our founding fathers. Yeah, wait, I don't know into, yeah no, it's a ju- yeah. Why would she give that a thumbs down? That's a great meme. Because because it it requires the context of knowing the topic to understand it. While as you need a meme should be a meme I don't should think, be. I don't think that's true. I, no, think, I agree. It is well, very well. Memes are like well, inside well, jokes. Well. <gasps> or, or, oh, have, or have misunderstood right now. <laughs> memes made a breakthrough are inside about. jokes. You know how people always <laughs> try and like relate memes back to like before memes were around. Well, do bef- people do that? Well, I do yeah, they that. do. There's like a historical. <laughs> I have lots of there's some. Do there's that. some. There's some Dadaist pamphlet thing or something where it's like the first meme was in the 1860s. They called it a meme because like it's like okay, historically I'm actually. Talking I am Thomas. <laughs> I am talking. This is Rachel's one minute. Rachel's one minute begins now. Rachel, talk about memes. No, I'm just saying that Tell I always about think them. about like what was our version of memes before memes were a thing and the internet and everything like that. Inside jokes, because you have to understand there, the meme and you have to understand the context yes. of the meme in order for it to be funny, as is an inside joke. Voila. 
There we go. Boom. You did. It. You know, my brother heard. My dad, who's a principal, my brother once overheard him uh, talking with his sort of uh, his friends, and he was like, his his friends. They were all going, you know, all working at the school. They were going. What is this meme? This meme thing? What is it mean? And my dad, my dad silenced the room with brandishing a hand with scotch, and he went, "I know what it is. <laughs> a meme. They call it a meme because it's a memory, and it's a memory of things that they've rem- that they want to discuss and remember in picture form." <laughs> the whole room went, "Wow, <laughs> wow." <laughs> Rachel, you got one, you got eight seconds left on your uh, uninterrupted one minute of silence. Oh, no. Four seconds. Oh, um, favorite meme. Favorite favorite kind of meme. meme. Um, That's I've it. been asking Rachel this question like every day, trying to get her to remember one oh, meme from no, the last I, like six months. Zeb, I'm sorry, but I am not an internet Velociraptor. dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> what? What did you say? Tom? Okay. Anyways. Well, so. So we we've already sort of uh, we've already sort of last week we touched on Hong Kong and Black Lives Matter and we're sort of looking at the comparison of like the way U.S. journalism talks about uh, you know two or three not necessarily completely similar um, uh, mass protests but mass protests uh, with some threads in between them that are talked about very differently depending on the the U.S. well perhaps depending on the U.S.'s sort of allegiance to each issue. So that's kind of what we're doing. So last week, if you want to go back and listen to our stuff on Black Lives Matter and Hong Kong, you are more than welcome to, or you can just sit back and relax and enjoy us getting into what we're going to get into now. And yes, and who is in charge of this? Take it away, Zeb. I oh. think take it away, coward, I think is... No, what? you're talking well, about Bolivia. <laughs> Bolivia. <laughs> Bolivia. <laughs> I think. I think... I think like well, so we're basically like we're going to be the the main point of Sarah discussion today returned. is Bolivia. She's come out of her her little shell. Oh, oh your cat, your cat who hides in the shadows. Every time it happens. She's been sleeping in. Oh, she's getting so fat. Look at her, Zeb. Yeah. Okay. Come, she, okay, okay I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I think it's important that the cat. I think they want to know that the cat isn't hiding in the shadows all the time. She was sleeping on our bed with me when I was. Okay. All right. Sorry. All right. So so we're starting with. I I think that we should start with. With Rittenhouse, because absolutely it's like no, no, a but I mean, yeah. what I'd what I'd say is the main course. If this was a menu, and it is, we're laying out what <laughs> we're going to be eating tonight. The main course is going to be Bolivia and the sort of protests against the sort of um, like when uh, like the MAS party and the kind of like uh, you know the US's involvement around that, right? No, maybe not. But no, that's the it. entree, we've got a couple of little entrees for you that are sort of interrelated little. Uh, spin-offs from last week so we're going to begin I'm going to talk a bit about Kyle Rittenhouse in the context of the Black Lives Matter mass movement and then we've got friend of the show best friend of the show best friend uh, of the show Miller will be coming on to tell us a little a little tale of Hong Kong uh, and its celebrity uh, affiliations mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so take it away coward, coward. This is going to be very shambolic. I'm just warning you right now. I've, I've already know because well, I, I love that word, <laughs> shambolic. It's like symbolic. Shambles. Symbol, all over, all symbols. Symbols of over shambles. I like it. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad that you're taking the back seat on this one, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to really just put in my two cents every which house. way and what how. What does that mean? Written <laughs> because house. he wrote a story about a house. Oh, yes. he was an architect. And he wrote the house. Okay, let's <laughs> get into it before we start, right? Okay, so Carl, Carl Rittenhouse, 
I think maybe we all remember from last year, so I'm not going to get too much into the context. Maybe we don't. Carl Rittenhouse was a 17-year-old boy uh, who decided to um, kind of come down to one of the black li- one of the smaller Black Lives Matter protests in Kenosha, slash Washington. Uh, yes, Washington. exactly. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yeah. So, he like many people, state lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to do all that. Instead of instead of like going into kind of like what I'm trying to say is like instead of going into just like Carl Rittenhouse, uh, is he a boogaloo boy? Is he Blue Lives Matter? Blah blah blah. Like you know who shot who first and blah blah who ran. I think what I'm doing this for is more is a very very general look, a sort of explore a meditation on the way that the media will explore and present a story like Kyle Rittenhouse being a, a white 17 year old kid, as opposed to a lot more of the people sort of killed within the Black Lives Matter protests and, you know, subsequently and, and during the actual protests themselves where they're not given nearly as much thought. Uh, the footage is not poured over quite the same way. And I think it's just sort of like a, a sort of a little, a little exploration of um, the media around that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? What's a, what's a way of saying that in one sentence? Yeah, I can't. Have yeah, okay. Well, we'll just leave it. Okay, so <laughs> well, I'm going to start off with with the the obvious extreme, Fox News, and we've got our our mate Tucker Carlson, who you might remember from last episode. So we've got a, we've already got an idea about what kind of allegiance this might have. Um, so this is a discussion of kind of like uh, it, the, it, it's called Kyle Rittenhouse pleads not guilty, and in in the article, it sort of it also plays a, a clip from Fox News. Um, in that video, uh, we've got like sort of we've got Tucker Carlson sort of explaining the context of um, the shootings related to to Carl Rittenhouse, and so I'm going to start off with the, their explanation of the events and sort of slowly get to kind of like what feels like a more accurate explanation of the events. So um, yeah, just in case people think that I'm <laughs> that I'm not going to show all sides, like I'm just beginning there because I think it it's a it's the way that I feel like it makes sense to present it um so we start off with like a the the fox news context of the, of the you know what what they call looting some would call rioting and some would call protesting whatever uh they they present three or four videos which you know like are a choice selection of of you know like out of context maybe maybe not who cares just you know people smashing cars people throwing bricks through windows and people just sort of shouting and, and you know uh massing in the street um, and just, it discusses kind of like how, in their opinion, it's like, oh, a totally normal middle-class neighborhood all of a sudden has turned since the, the BLM protest began. It denounces the, the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake in a very legally protective kind of way that Fox News will, and, you know, just focusing on his criminal record and, like, you know, I don't know, like the way that they do, they do like explaining it like, oh, you know, maybe he had a knife and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So then it goes on to, like, we talk about Kyle. Uh you know, Kyle's this sort of like uh, this sort of young seventeen-year-old kid. Uh, he's a white guy. Uh, he's very interested in guns and has a lot of affiliations to pro-police stuff. Obviously, they don't get into that. All they discuss is that he's a lifeguard. They talk about that like twenty times, <laughs> and then okay. go on to play a video from his defense team. <laughs> so, like the you know. What often people who are sort of more on the Kyle Rittenhouse side of things, they'll present that like he spent, he, he didn't go as an agitator or as someone who was sort of excited, the prospect of shooting looters or, or whatever. They discussed that, you know, he came with a med kid and he was there to clean graffiti. And they, they, they show a bunch of very, very, in my opinion, seemingly very posed videos of him going, 
Hello, I am Kyle Rittenhouse. Here I have a gun because it's my legal right to have a gun. And also I have a med kit. That is why I am not, you know, a dangerous person <laughs> like that. that someone <laughs> Was he planning to shoot people and then use the medical kit to patch up the wounds? <laughs> I think I think Kyle Rittenhouse, we'll get into it a little later. Kyle Rittenhouse would, would present that he was there to protect businesses. And so he was also there to stop fires and he had a medical kit. And the gun is simply for protection in case, you know, one of these rioters tries to sort of you know attack him mm, so that goodness. that's what kyle rittenhouse would tell you but i mean you know you've got to kind of like make up your own mind and read between the lines and, and we'll get into it a little bit more later about what he's sort of um you know his his uh motivations may have been um uh so then we we uh so he, he winds up face to face but this is the first like a lot of this is all explored through various cell phone footage because there's so much cell phone footage of this of all three shootings the first one is uh, the blurriest and arguably the hardest to figure out what is going on. Uh, an objective look at it is kind of like this very wide shot. There's a there's like you know Kyle's running away from someone who turns out to be Joseph Rosenbaum. Uh, we can't really see what's going on. He turns around and shoots him. And there's also a muzzle flash that's like it's like you know this is like I saw it referred to online as like delving through this blurry footage is kind of like trying to read tea leaves. It's very hard to know uh what it all means and anyone to point to anything and and there's also a lot of i've noticed like i remember from from like seeing online at the time there's a lot of people sort of editing the footage because basically this joseph rosenbaum throws a bag at him and that's how that before he turns and shoots him and that was edited to show like a molotov cocktail and all this so like i mean it's very much up for debate especially the first video footage i think um it's just like a plastic bag wasn't it yeah, it's a it's a fucking plastic bag, exactly. But they uh, so the the way Fox News will show you this footage is that they they tell you that it's you know he's there, he's trying to like this Joseph Rosenbaum is committing arson, which is pretty an ups, ups, unsubstantiated claim, um, and he's also a, apparently Joseph Rosenbaum. They keep calling him a convicted child molester. That's oh something God. I think is very interesting about. Yeah, Fox News will constantly. Anyone who isn't, uh, you know, like they characterize very clearly as like there's the, the, the lifeguard, you know, the, the nice kid who's trying to help the neighborhood and they'll label him like that. Basically, every time they talk about him, they'll talk about uh, Carl Rittenhouse is the lifeguard. Everyone else is the, uh, you know, the criminals. Uh, and, and, and I'll get into that because it gets very overt as we go on. So we got convicted child molester Joseph Rosenbaum, who's just some protester. And, and no one really, you know, knows video footage wise what was going on beforehand. But he throws a bag at Carl Rittenhouse, walks towards him. Carl Rittenhouse spins around and shoots him three times. Um, and there's some muzzle flash from someone shooting a gun in the air. That's mostly what people on both sort of sides of the fence speculate. Don't know how it's related. Fox News what tries to... What is a to, muzzle flash? Just a the gun. coming like, out of the you gun. Know, the light from a gun firing off. Oh, right. Off. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fox News will try and tell you that, you know, it was directly to him. I don't know. It's very weird. I don't really... Like, it's a very... You know, shaky cell phone footage. Um, mm-hmm. So that's their explanation of the first shot is, is it's self-defense because, you know, the guy threw a bag at him and was... Oh was my. closing in on plastic bags, like, the danger. Yes. They hurt the environment, but I don't know yes, if exactly. they can really well, physically hurt us. I saw a legitimate, like the legitimate. I saw like a, a like a serious response to like, well, I mean, you know, you don't know what's in the plastic bag, so it could be considered like a lethal. <laughs> it weapon. could be dog poop. Was in. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <was. laughs> 
I imagine some, someone shooting someone over dog poop. That is ridiculous. Well, someone Probably shooting someone over a plastic more. bag is even, is even more ridiculous. More ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's what actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> we so, yeah, the Fox that. News character... Horrible. Fox News characterizes like the mobs closing in. Um, you know, he has the gun. They don't even really explain why he would be open carrying with a some kind of rifle. I don't know what fucking rifle is. An automatic rifle. You know, so he fires a, an additional four shots. Uh, after uh, he he fires three shots into the person, and then four shots are fired afterwards. And Fox News wonders why no one was arrested for those gunshots which I don't know what has to do with anything. Um, so then he runs down the street and we've got footage of a protester. You know, the protesters start to realize like first everyone scatters and then they start following him and everyone's asking him like, you know, did you shoot that guy? What's going on? What are you doing? And there's footage of him saying that he's going to get the police. That's what he's running <laughs> away from all the protesters to do. Um, and then <laughs> there's this great bit where this is the second sort of cell phone footage, which is uh, much more clear and very brutal. Um, and uh, so basically, like, you know, my vague sort of, uh, like, my quick explanation is he's running down the street away from some protesters. The protesters start running on him and they're sort of hitting him in various different ways. We'll get into it all, you know, kind of closer up. Uh, and he, you know, falls down, turns around, shoots one, another one jumps on him, he shoots them, and then he runs off to the police who don't arrest him and keep walking up to the protesters who have been shot. And then he turns himself in the next day. Um, uh, we've got, but then, so yeah, so we, we begin this cell phone footage, it's pretty clear footage, uh, and Fox News brings in the bed of, you know, like the, the it's, it's bad news music, and begins with this explanation of, first what happens is an unidentified protester knocks off his hat. <laughs> and so then, so then Kyle Rittenhouse stumbles over. So first he trips over and Fox News will say, you know, a protester jumps on him, ready, ready to kill him, who knows? And he fires a, a warning shot into the air to, to you know, scare off this protester. Um, and then, uh, you know, then this, this, this protester hits him with a skateboard, which they refer to as, yeah, a protester hits him blunt force with the sharp edge of a skateboard, which I don't know. I don't a bit know of an oxymoron it's, almost. I know, a blunt force just, and a sharp <laughs> object. It makes no yeah. sense. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he did have a skateboard with, you know, those knife edge skateboards that have been going around. <laughs> yeah, very, famous. Very yeah. hard. Wait, really? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good for grinding. They say oh. you can't grind without a knife attached to the edge of your skateboard. Oh, I thought you were meaning like it was like a new kind of skateboard that's like shaped like a knife. No, they're just they're just <laughs> trying to make a skateboard. They're trying to make a skateboard sound like it's a, it's a lethal. It's, it's equal to an AR-15. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If that was the which case, which which will that note that like interesting. it. Both cases, from my assessment of the footage, uh, is that like you know they're jumping on him. He's already got a fucking rifle aimed at them. Like everyone, everyone yeah. in this footage seems extremely adrenalized. But then, so then Fox News does this mental thing, absolutely awful thing, where they pause. You know, so he, he we see the footage. We see Carl Rittenhouse, this seventeen-year-old kid. He turns around, he shoots this this kid. This, this, well, this this person who tries to hit him with a skateboard, and they do this fucking thing where they they pause it and they play this captain caption over it. That lists his name, you know, the protester who he just shot, the name, the age, and then his felony record. So they say yeah. it comes up with blah, 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 age, blah, blah, blah. Convicted of domestic abuse, use of dangerous weapon, battery, strangulation, suffocation, second degree, reckless endangerment, like that, which is just mental. Like, I can't That's believe so that. Like, yeah. Are yeah. they allowed to do? Oh, I guess I shouldn't ask that question. They do so many things they're not allowed to do. Yeah, well, exactly. Oh, well, I don't I mean, think there's like, anything don't saying that you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, Surely, exactly. I guess criminal records are public records, so that, that 
this makes yeah. sense. But, but it, you know, what's what's very like, link, I guess, the, I don't know this is linguistics, maybe it's linguistics, but I think what's interesting is that the, the, they have this caption for every kind of like character in inverted commas in this, you know, in this, in this footage. And his is, you know, Carl Rittenhouse, uh, 17 years old, lifeguard. <laughs> yeah, not fucking you know. double murderer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Which is already, by that point, being convicted of murder. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, or maybe, I don't actually know. I haven't got the timeline. But yeah, so then we've got the third protester. Uh, this is the Fox News coverage. A, a third protester fakes as if he's surrendering while a gun is pointed at him by Kyle and then suddenly advances with an aimed handgun and shoots him in the arm, which... You know, like, I, I, it's clear later that the guy has a gun and, like, people speculate back and forth whether or not he was aiming a gun at him. But it seems like he probably was. He, it seems like he probably was, like, after he had a, a rifle aimed in his face, he leans over with the gun. And then he doesn't shoot Kyle, shoots him in the arm. And then they have, again, you know, the caption comes up. The guy's, the, the protester who he just shot in the arm, the, the name, the age, and then possession of a firearm while intoxicated. Oh <laughs> so God. then... And then they then they cut to this footage of like a friend of this this dude you know um the the guy you know I'm I'm purposely not including the names because I don't want to be like Fox News but I don't know they care but uh, they they have this you know this guy who got shot in the arm who aimed the the right the pistol at Kyle or whatever and they have uh, a report from his friend on Twitter saying like he should have killed that kid he should have unloaded like shouldn't have hesitated to like shoot that kid in the face or whatever so like they they play that directly after like and then they go on right so they've presented it all that way you know like incredibly biasly and then they have the gall to have like uh, Tucker Carlson come on and be like uh, you obviously should decide for yourself what you oh make God. of this. And like, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, I so. hate, I could not watch, like when I was doing my Black Lives Matter research <clears throat> and I had to like, well, I didn't have to, but I thought, oh, I may as well, you know, through the lens of the media, the US media and watching his fucking show. I watched like two minutes and like, I cannot, I can't do this. Yeah. It was Tucker infuriating. Tucker Carlson's my least favorite person. I actually Absolutely. started to I get mean, so mad and I'm like, I can't, what? I was almost about to like, not punch my computer screen, but like, no, he brings, he elicits that sort of a response. Like, yeah, you want to But that's the thing it. is, a, that's a part of it. I mean, like the, the thing is, this yeah. is what I feel like with Fox News, what's always worth, what I always try and think about before we're deciding whether or not to include it at all is like, it's theatrical. I think like, it the is. thing is, it's like, I, I think half the people that are watching it know that it's not quite, it's sort of like the PIS with the TVP. I think a lot of people mm. who watch it know that it's like, it's it's slightly it's 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 the meaning of like journalism and entertainment, but it adheres to their values, so they're happy to just go with it. But I yeah. but I also think that there's a lot of people who do take it completely like mm. that are you know hooked in the you know the 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 constant influx of this sort of like parallel universe which adheres to their values. So it's, it's dangerous, absolutely. But it's like but Alex Jones it's... or QAnon, you know. I think like yeah, and I think it comes down to that. Um... Level of, like, education. Like, I think people can view view Fox News in either that way of being like, yes, this is theatrical, yes, it is hyperbole and all that kind of stuff. But that comes from a level of education and knowledge of knowing that. But then people who are seeing this who don't necessarily have that knowledge or education about media or about journalism or about, like, the kind of the biases that come through that are just going to see it as news and are just going to take that as news because that's what they've been told and have yeah, been maybe, but watching I, I don't know if, like, 
I don't know if education is necessarily the right word because it makes it sound like if you didn't go like you know like by education I guess you no, mean no, no, like I mean just... like education on the media like education right, yeah, knowing yeah, yeah. about yeah, yeah, media right, right. and the way that it works within or exposure our current to, like context ex- exposure to different like uh, media platforms other than just Fox News you know what I mean like I think that's important but, but I also then, think but it's... then at the same time like I'm going by like people that are like members of my family who watch certain news. Um, Sky like news nine or news or like seven news or whatever it is, yeah, and yeah. they believe that to be the only news. And like, even if you were to show them other news sources, they wouldn't trust them because that's not what they were raised on, or that's You're, not what they right. Used yeah, to. well, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's that comfort factor of like, oh no, these are the people that I know. I see them every night on my TV, mm-hmm. and they feel like they have that connection, and they're like, I trust you. Yeah, it's and a trust thing. Yeah, 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 it's like this weird connection like I know my family were like obsessed with journalists like my entire life they were always like oh I love mm. like the yarn event they were obsessed with her my mum loves Ray Martin and I'm like oh my god but like they have these relationships with them that obviously comes from a place of like they're speaking about things in a way that they understand and that yeah and it is and it's to. also because it's more emotional than like you know I love Ian Henderson from the ABC News don't get me wrong but I mean it's different when someone's emotional and I also think it's like it's you know there's a this is also I'm sort of getting off topic a bit but like I remember someone telling me like oh you should go look at the Donald the pro Donald Trump Reddit groups and I was like why on earth would I do that and they all they they explained it to me uh was this is parish I don't know why I'm being so anonymous <laughs> and they were like the interesting thing about it is if you if you you know at that time obviously I don't think it's on there anymore but like if you go on there you think it's going to be people talking about the stuff that you know about from the right wing perspective the pro Donald Trump perspective but the thing that's interesting is if you go if you went on there at that time period it, you don't even know what the hell is going on it's like it's mm. not people talking about stuff that you know from the other side. It's like they're talking about like oh the briefcase and oh the handkerchief and all this shit because they're completely exposed to a totally different universe than than exactly, you know you yeah. might be. It's it's mad. Like you know things that that you've never even heard of. Like you know it's it's really really strange. You know the internet. It just, it's yeah, I know it like really scares me. Like when Zeb was having mm. a go at me last night about about me not <laughs> knowing anything, and I'm like I know something. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I was just saying, I'm like, I just don't spend that much time on the internet. And the internet that I'm exposed to is a bubble of what I know. And then I have no means of like finding and delving into all of the other things that Zeb thinks that I have no idea about, which it's true. I don't have clues about things, but I'm also like, I'm not that far removed. Like I'm still very much in the bubble of the internet but there's just so much like there's you too can much just keep you can't going know it's like of the ocean you yeah yeah you can't, and then know, there the, you can't know everything but you can know something i know some things <laughs> i just don't know as much as you you have your little avenues that you can go down and exactly source and seek things I don't i'm sure know there's many avenues. things rachel knows more about than old zeb rogerson Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to think so. <laughs> this intellectualized man right here. Intellectualized man. Yes. Anyways, that's a whole other conversation. I like this image Continue. of, of you, you. I've got this image of Rachel in a nightcap and she's yawning and she's reading like a book and then Zeb comes in, <laughs> slams over the door and goes, Rachel, you idiot. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel, point on a map and tell me where Tel Aviv is right now. Oh, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> yes, he does. He does exactly that. It's yes. very humiliating. Not good. Well, anyways, we have deterred. Back um, to the topic. No time for Zeb to retort. <laughs> no, there's no point. 
<laughs> We're airing our grievances. I've been besmirched. <laughs> we have no grievances. We are happy chappies. Okay, continue. Tom. Is ever you happy chappy? <laughs> yeah, I'm extremely happy chappy. Yeah. Happy, happy chappy. <laughs> do you do you want to do you want to take a moment to retort or not really? I don't think I need to. I've, I'm hoping that it's clear that I don't actually like storm into our bedroom with maps of the Middle East and demand to know where, like, where's Oman? <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> but I don't think I need to say that, that well, I don't yeah, do that. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll continue. Or that I just had a go. I, yeah, now, now you've gotten me retorting. Yeah, I don't just, like, have a go at Rachel for not knowing anything. That's crazy. You, do. you literally I, did that last night. Yeah, I, but you're saying anything. I was having a go at you. I wasn't having a go at you. I was just asking you what you did. Like we were talking about earlier, what's what's one meme that you've heard of, in like, in the last couple of months? And you... Oh, was it this thing? No. <laughs> That's what this was. This is what no, she's talking about. He asked me what a certain thing was, and I didn't know. And then he asked me what another thing was, and I didn't know. And then he got mad at me, and it was like, you don't know anything and then he asked me what the memes were because <laughs> i was trying to explain because because rachel hears me ch- this is we're getting so aside <laughs> but like rachel yeah. hears me giggling about things like when i'm on my phone in bed and she's like what are you laughing at and i'm like oh just this and i show her and she's like what does that mean and i go well do you know about this and she goes no and we're like what do you know about this and no it's like well then i don't know how to tell you why this is funny and she goes tell me <laughs> I that doesn't make any know. sense. <laughs> yeah, and then and then she makes me feel like I'm some freak idiot who's like who's finding this like stupid no. Twitter post funny. I just want you to explain it so that I know, I but then I try to explain it, who? and it's just like you could, Rachel has a habit of just going why. <laughs> like a child, she thinks that that's like a conversation. Is like do not. why? <laughs> and then who is who is the Velociraptor? That's what I want to know. It's a very very smart little. <laughs> It's dinosaur. So it's a velociraptor, jumping... not a velociraptor. Oh my god! Okay, okay, let's jump in. Just, let's just skip. Let's just keep going. Let's, let's just move. Get this train rolling. What happened? It's all right. It's all right. We don't. We don't have to all understand me. No one needs. Okay. okay. Well, let's jump into. Let's jump into the. So I think the main thing that like the the main discussion on Carl Rittenhouse seems to be in the media is not you know uh, is is like uh, is. Seems to tend turn more to, to like is it self defense? You know, was like online on social media. It's a lot of like, you know, the obvious question, which we all I think listening know the answer is like, if he was black, would the police have not arrested him and he had to turn himself in, or would he have been shot in the street? Absolutely, we know the answer is like, yeah, uh, that he would have. You know, and then on social media they also discuss whether or not it was self defense, whether or not you can open open carry in and whether or not he crossed state lines to do it and if he's a boogaloo boy and blah 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 blah. But is online a it seems boy? to be uh we don't uh, it's it's Let's just not okay. worry about that. Sorry, sorry, okay, continue. But uh, that'd be an interesting for an episode to do once, but yeah, no. Uh like just sort of yeah, like you know, just the discussion of like the discussion usually in the news tends to be focusing on like how do we label Kyle Rittenhouse and like it's this this question that you know comes up a lot of like you know when white people are often like uh you know the the discussion turns to their mental health or are they a uh terrorist or not or whether we should be labeling them terrorists and you know the conversation seems to be different for white people and so like Mm. that's what uh this NPR article discusses um so I'm going to read this long quote and then we can cut it down if we need to, but I've just got a whole thing here. Um, 
Mark uh, Pitcavage, Senior Research Fellow at the Anti-Defamation League Centre on Extremism, calls the volunteer gunmen armed vigilante groups, although he stresses that the group is a bit of a misnomer because they often pop up local factions without the organisation of, say, establishment militias. This is a quote from him. They're sort of like guys in the neighbourhood, and they tend to be culturally conservative. They tend to be right-wing. They're not typically extremists, although there's nothing that could exclude some extremists being among them. Uh, even though they, they don't feed, fit into a neat category, analysts say Rittenhouse and armed volunteers like him are still considered dangerous symbolic of the broader threat of gun violence at protests. Um, uh, Huffington Post reports that white vigilantes and far-right actors have shown up to oppose Black Lives Matter in the United States at least 497 times. Rittenhouse is emerging as a poster boy for that phenomenon. Outraged by the shootings, activists rushed to pin him with various far-right ideologies. Hundreds, probably thousands of social media posts describe him as a militia or a member of a white supremacist. Some have referred to him without evidence as a part of the misogynistic incel movement. Reporters and researchers across the country are digging into Rittenhouse's background, and so far they've come up with no clear evidence of ties to anti-government militias or the Boogaloo Boys armed men in Hawaiian shirts calling himself for violent revolution. Yeah, basically, Rachel, sorry, but the uh, Boogaloo Boys, like, really briefly explained, like, um, they're sort of like, they're trying to, they're trying to kick, they're trying to kick off, like, the second, they, 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 they want, they wanted, they want to kick off, like, a second civil war. That's their aim. Oh, because they, okay. yeah, so they're kind civil of like, Civil War 2, Electric Boogaloo. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. So civil it started, War 2, like Electric a, Boogaloo. That's what they, that's where the name Boogaloo Boys comes from. Yeah, it started from, like, an online thing, and, like, it, it's very, like, there's a lot of exploration about, like, where, like, there's a lot of different factions and different beliefs within them, but basically their main aim is, like, to kick off the Civil War. And so people are kind of, like, to, like, like uh, uh, wait, I'll just finish this one before I go on to, uh, yeah. Social media accounts linked to Rittenhouse betrayed the police booster aligned with Black the Blue, Back the Blue, pro-cop activism, uh, widely seen as a racist response to Black Lives Matter, but as of Friday, there was no indication of Rittenhouse membership of supportive groups categorized as traditional hater extremist groups. The kind of violence witnessed in Kenosha is straining Americans' vocabulary for what they're seeing. The murkiness of protests and the growing presence of armed activists on the left make it difficult to distinguish who among gung-toting p- people at the scene. Do we call them vigilantes, counter-protests, militia, violent extremists? I think... It's this is sort of a more about social media, but I think it's it's interesting to kind of like uh, I think I think what I would point out is like you know it's it's evident it's not necessarily evident that he's racist. I actually do remember seeing some video online of him being racist when he was a bit younger, but like I think it's like you know like it's pretty clear he's behind the police. Um, yeah. But then yeah. there's the the discussion. I think the discussion is interesting if you look at it. In terms of like that, there is a discussion at all, it, like whether or not he's a militia or uh, you know a counter protester or an extremist or whatever. Like, I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that there's this scramble by uh, by people like on NPR, and I see it a lot online about like trying to desperately to change people's definitions of of Kyle Rittenhouse when. You know, most of the time when it's not someone like Carl Rittenhouse, there's no discussion at all. Like, I, that's yeah. my opinion, obviously, but yeah. Sure. But I we, feel like we see that a lot in... We don't need to get into that. This is all things we've discussed. No, go on. Yeah, yeah, go on. No, we just do. We see it all and always in the media on how yeah, yeah. privileged people, privileged white people, privileged white men always get 
you know, the benefit of the doubt and that concept of like absolutely guilty yeah. until proven guilty and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, and I think <sighs> the more extreme examples of like, I mean, you know, I, like I, I, I wouldn't say uh, that I don't think Carl Rittenhouse is a terrorist, but I think it's more extremely evident when you know someone comes into a movie theater and shoots a bunch of people or a school shooting. Carl Rittenhouse obviously is a little murkier just because he was you know running away and turned around and like, but yeah. I mean like. Still, I think, think, yeah. The media also, like, during that time, everything that I was reading for my research through the BLM, it was so chaotic. Like, there was just so Mm, much mm, happening mm. and there was so much chaos. And there was violence in situations not necessarily Mm, perpetrated mm. by the protesters, but definitely by the police and all that kind of stuff. And so I think people were not really understanding how to deal with that and how to report on that without kind of being as unbiased as they can. And I think a lot of news sources probably just, anyways, well, I don't know. I'm just speculating here. We no, but I get you. But that. I think, I think what, what they skim over is like, is, is not, you know, like what they sort of conveniently seem to forget is like, you know, they're looking at the blurry cell phone footage and they ha- everyone has their own assumption about what that means and whether it was self-defense or whether he was aggressing or, but the, yeah, the point yeah. is like, you got a bunch of fucking, you know, kids, which we'll get further into in some other articles, but like you got a bunch of fucking kids coming up, to like defending a bank or defending a car auto factory or whatever the fuck with a bunch of rifles open carrying and they're 17. And it's exactly, like, yeah. that, that is the thing that they seem to just skim over as though that's completely normal. That's not completely normal. It's absolutely what not 99.9% of the BLM yeah. you know, protesters are doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the delineation that they're, they're just sort of conveniently not discussing. And if, and if you, you know, from what I can see, if, if people try to, to aim the discussion that way, it becomes very quickly about whether or not it's okay to open carry or not, or whether it's legal or whatever. It doesn't even fucking matter. I mean, like you just like, I don't know. It's mad to me. Like you've got a bunch of fucking kids defending a bank with, with know, rifles yeah. you know, from who, I, I don't know, whatever. Um, so there's the further discussion on this kind of culture in The Guardian uh, and the article's called Vigilante Volunteer Terrorists, How the U.S. Media Covers Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse has now been charged with first-degree international... In, in, <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse has now been charged with first-degree intentional homicide, but it hasn't stopped some pundits from calling uh, for him to be president. How Rittenhouse is portrayed is now telling at least because Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man who was shot by police in Kenosha days before Rittenhouse's arrest, leaving a parallel from the waist down, has not yet stood trial, but has already been labelled a criminal in the media. So people are... Discussing whether or not you call him a vigilante, which is uh, one thing that I think is interesting. Uh, mm. uh, many outlets, including The Guardian, have referred to, which is, you know, this is by The Guardian as well, have referred to him as a vigilante, a word usually used to describe an unauthorized person who takes it upon themselves to protect their community in absence of legal authorities. Rittenhouse, who was spotted in the front row of a Trump rally, has been described in The Intercept as a conservative vigilante. Uh, there's also people who call him a peacekeeper. It's hard to find an article Ooh. referencing Rittenhouse's alleged actions on the right-wing news outlet Fox News. What? Uh, coverage of the shooting was given equal coverage on its website to a protester who set fire to a police precinct and a piece mocking CNN coverage of the unrest in Kenosha. But one of the few pieces on Fox News' front page about Rittenhouse is embedded with an interview between Tucker Carlson and Daily Caller journalist who interviewed Rittenhouse before the alleged shooting took place in the video. Actually, I'll skip over that. We've already talked about Tucker Carlson. Um, and then finally, another term that comes up is terrorist. And I think this is interesting. A domestic terrorist is defined by the FBI as the unlawful use or threatened use of violence by a group or individual based on and operating entirely within the United States without foreign direction uh, committed against the person's 
or property to intimidate or coerce a government, a civilian population, or any segment thereof in furtherance of political and social objectives. Uh, publications have tended not to call Rittenhouse a terrorist. Esquire did call his alleged attack an act of what could only be described as terrorist tourism. But on Wednesday, Representative uh, Ayana Presley did. She described Rittenhouse as a domestic terrorist who drove across state lines armed with an AR-15. So <laughs> I think that's fair mm, characterization. Yeah. Uh, the last thing ah yeah so this is a very uh this is a very as we know from the atlantic it's very snooty but i think there is some interesting something interesting at the heart of this it's a sort of discussion of like the you know you know when we talk about carl rittenhouse it's usually with this assumption of like he is very you know very decided political uh ideology or like you know he came with a very serious and thought out intention of what he was going to do and on either side that's either to help people and to save people or on the left like you know to kill people but i think this article while being very snooty and i don't like the atlantic comes to an interesting point about like remembering that this is a 17 year old kid and like uh that he's an idiot you know and a, and a piece of shit uh it's called car rittenhouse kenosha and the sheepdog mentality Rittenhouse appears to live in a fantasy world where police and car dealerships are more endangered than unarmed black men and where he is a warrior. On YouTube and on other social media, the gun channels are filled with real-life videos of violence. Think cops with all the boring parts edited out and the most violent parts unblurred. I could say that these scenes would never cease to sicken, but the truth is that one gets used to them after a while. Rittenhouse, who was arrested yesterday, was reportedly a gun enthusiast and an active on social media in support of Blue Lives Matter. I don't know whether Rittenhouse spent his free time watching people pulling guns on one another, but I do know from experience these videos are hugely popular in the gun world that he was a part of, and if you watch one, you probably watch hours of them. Um... This is a fantasy that seems to have motivated Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse's trip to Kenosha. He was interviewed hours before the shooting in the Daily Caller's Richie McGuinness. He explained his presence in Kenosha, saying that people are getting injured and our job is to protect this business. He looks preposterously young for this role, not like some roid-crazed militiaman, but a kid who has somehow guessed the code to his father's gun locker is on his own birthday. Uh, is that it? Uh, Rittenhouse has been called a... Uh, okay, then... Uh, they just go on to discuss like the kind of when you're saturated in these gun videos, the kind of things that you're likely to believe and, and how a de, in, dis, like how deassociated you become with like the idea of crossing state lines with a gun just becomes something that like you, you know, in the context for them, it just it seems like a completely reasonable thing to do, which is not like, you know, I mean, like, um, uh, and I'm, and I'm saying this out loud, I feel like this kind of is turning into this kind of like GDA makes people shoot people <laughs> argument. But I don't, I don't think like, I, th- I feel like, wait, let me finish this last uh, quote. Um, I don't know, yeah, I, like I kind of, I, I, don't, I don't agree with this like, well, you know, I don't think it's like you watch a bunch of YouTube gun videos and you go out and you want to shoot people. But I do think it does give this kind of like, this, this sort of... Um, like the the idea that that is a normal thing that you might want to just do and then you get caught in a situation where you're like clearly a fucking idiot and you're being chased by a cloud and you panic and you shoot a bunch of people it doesn't mean that that's okay it actually means that that's really wrong but i think the fact that that happened is very telling of like a of, of a culture that is very um what is my point here i think i'm i had a point no, well i before. think that like i think that you know like the the distinction between you know like GTA makes people want to want to like you know murder people yeah and then you know like something like Carl Rittenhouse's like journey into into um like 
gun videos and, and cop loving and going across straight state lines with a gun with the intentions of potentially mm. killing somebody. Mm. It's like GTA, playing GTA isn't a radicalizing thing. But like yeah. mm-hmm. when you're watching these gun videos with a particular political agenda and and there is like there's like an ideology kind of like that like the you're like you're putting your own ideology into those sorts of things. Yeah. That that like that does like that does create that does create the potential for violence, I mm-hmm. think. Whereas like yeah, yeah, exactly. GTA and, and violent video games and movies and shit like that, they don't they don't they're not have, pushing that. Yeah, they're not yeah. they're not radicalizing, but like but Yeah, you know. yeah. And when you involve with these read communities a very intense essay about this concept. Ah, there you of go. Yeah. Radicalization. It was very interesting. But that's that's what I think is interesting is like you you're in these groups and people like say it's your job to go down to like oh but what happened was he was basically he was he thought it was his job and believed it was his job to like drive over across state lines with a fucking gun and defend like a car dealership and and like pretend he was there to like uh, help people but I think it's it's just it's sad it's very fucking like it's very weird very sad I've got so much sympathy for everyone that got shot because of this stupid mm-hmm. kid and I hope that he yeah. gets put in jail for the charge that he really deserves, which is like homicide, you know, like he killed it someone. Is, exactly. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's just, it's just like, to me, it's like, yeah, I mean, I mean like, so I just think, but anyway, I think like my point is for why am I looking at this now is like, if you, if you read, if you read through that kind of discussion on um, Kyle Rittenhouse, you, you're never going to see such a nuanced discussion in the press about like most of the, scores of people who were you know murdered like um the kind of like you know that that spurred on these protests in the first place i think that's very telling you know i've got this one quote i'm going to finish this on by dawn rhodes who's a, a journalist in, in chicago uh it's a tweet uh it's a rare moment in news media where we get to watch this dichotomy in real time we have a black victim of heinous violence and a white person accused of heinous violence and we get to see whom news media gives the most compassion and consideration in telling their stories um but yeah that's my Carl Rittenhouse thing I yeah maybe it was a little that was uh, like a, such a great quote really sums yeah. up the entire situation and Absolutely, it just yeah. goes to show of course the US yes media is going to favor the white man yes or just discuss Anyways. it more, more nuanced yeah but that's uh, we can we can move forward well yeah just like, like give that voice more of a voice then yeah exactly i'm about to interview miller i think alone all right so this is the uh uh we we teased uh a story about um Jackie Chan and Hong Kong with our dear friend of the show, Miller, who I have with me here today. Hello, Miller. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Oh, good. Thank you for having me. It's uh, <laughs> weird as never been on a podcast. Pretty, pretty excited. Pretty nervous. But hello, I'm Miller. I am in order of importance, a filmmaker, animator, dungeon master, and as you'll soon find out, destroyer of childhood heroes. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So, um, the story you're telling us is about, um, uh, yeah, so the betrayal of, uh, Jackie Chan's betrayal of Hong Kong. Is that right? Yeah, it's very brief. It's not, it's, it's, it should only take like a five minutes or so, but it's more of an overview of his general, um, yeah, well, as you'll see, I, I guess I'll just jump into it. Yeah, dive in. 
Now, for context, Jackie was born in Hong Kong. His parents, Charles and Li Li Chan, were refugees from the Chinese Civil War. Um, there are a lot of refugees. Um, and now, full disclosure, I got this part from Quora Answers. Um, <laughs> but according to a, uh, a very kind poster, um, many of the Hong Kongers and mainlanders, uh, residents of Hong Kong from the older generation, so like Jackie and above... Uh, consider themselves temporary residents of Hong Kong um, and want to return to the mainland after the whole, like, civil war thing died down and and, and China recuperated, uh, which is very counter to the uh, kind of younger generation's uh, belief in the kind of awesomeness of Hong Kong and the more kind of absorbed, uh, for lack of a better word, like, colonial values. Okay, so if you're, like... Um... So if you were like say a like third generation, um, like Chinese in Hong Kong, you might be more down with Hong Kong than yeah, before. Yeah, that. absolutely. No, I think I think it's you know it's a lot like um, like ACAB or Black Lives Matters. It's like the the protests are um, you know cover all demographics, but for the most part, it's the it's the younger generation that are like, no, we kind of like it how things are. Please don't. Like, please don't make us part of the mainland, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, so despite being born in Hong Kong and uh, pretty much owing his entire career to the Hong Kong film industry, Jackie does not stand with Hong Kong. However, this wasn't always true. In uh, 1989, after the Tiananmen Square protest and subsequent massacre, uh, there was a concert held called the Concert for Democracy in China. Uh, Jackie actually performed at this concert. Um, some of you might not know, but Jackie has many albums. Um, he is a Chinese opera singer and I've listened to a fair amount of his music. Um, there may be something I'm losing in the translation. However, I can say pretty confidently it's awful. (laughs) I feel like I've heard him, I feel like I've heard him sing on Ellen or something like that. Yeah, it's not good. His, like his, his main goal in life is now just to be a singer. Yeah. Well, the... The school that he trained at is a kind of like, you know, uh, as they say in Hollywood, like triple threat, like the kind of like Chinese triple threat is you learn acrobatics, dance and uh, singing. And that's kind of the uh, place where Jackie got his start um, before moving on to uh, Samuel Hong um, and becoming like a part of his stunt team. Um, and going on to eventually make, and you know, I'm about to ruin him, but th- th- just the best action star of all time. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt. Like, uh, side note, like, maybe pause this podcast and before I bum you out about his politics, um, go watch Jackie's My Stunts on YouTube, which is a documentary he made about his stunt making process, uh, where he actually makes an action scene throughout the the documentary. It's awesome. It's fascinating. Um, and then, uh, and I assume you're back now after watching that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he was in support of, uh, of democracy in Hong Kong and democracy in China. But as early as 2009, he was quoted as saying, I'm not sure if it's a good thing having freedom or not. I'm really confused now. If you're too free, you'll like the way Hong Kong is now. It's very chaotic. 
Taiwan is also chaotic. I'm gradually feeling that we Chinese need to be controlled. If we're not controlled, we'll do what we want. Now, I don't see this lightly, but that is a bad take. (laughs) (laughs) This is a shit take. That's wild. (laughs) Now, and then recently, after an image of the Chinese national flag sinking into the ocean became a trend on Weibo, which, for those of you not in the is like Chinese Twitter, uh, a hashtag... um, Five-starred red flag has 1.4 billion flag guards, uh, which is a weird mouthful of a hashtag, but I guess you can do, with Chinese characters, can do very long hashtags. Uh, This began going viral. So essentially there was, you know, an iconic image of during the protests, a, a, a Chinese flag sinking and all the nationalists came out to go like, you know, uh, we're, we're go- I stand here as one of 1.4 billion flag guards. Now, uh, Jackie shared this hashtag and uh, went on to elaborate on it on a, uh, in an interview with CCTV, which is a Chinese television network. Uh, and he quoted saying, What's happening in Hong Kong recently has made a lot of people really heartbroken and worried. The most basic principle of patriotism, safety, stability, and peace are like air. Only when you lose them will you realize how precious they are. Oof. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, shit. Now, it's it's kind of... Yeah, it's it's. I think contextually it's also important to realize that, like, China is quickly becoming the largest film industry uh, market in the world. Like, for a long time, like, you know, America is kind of... America and somewhat, uh, to a lesser extent, like, India are the only places where there's a big enough population and a big enough um, financial incentive to make, like, a self-sufficient film market. A lot of countries outside of there rely on, like, government grants and government, like, uh, cultural grants to, uh, to also have media. Uh, but China, uh, and for a long time, like, Hong Kong was, for the most part, like, people's media entry to China, which mainland China does not like. The fact that all we knew about China for so many years came from Hong Kong movies. And so were the Hong Kong movies, um, was that in a sort of similar position to the US or to India where they had their own kind of like self-sustaining, kind of like privately funded uh, film Yeah, industry? it was privately funded. A lot of them, you know, cheaper to make because of uh, of the place. And also, you know, and that's what where you got like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and all, and before that Samuel Hong and like all these kind of grindhouse, grimy, like... Uh, really started off as like an exploitation era because that was you know even even in America or here in Australia like that was the way to make a profitable movie for cheap was either violence or sexiness. Wasn't there a lot of uh, like Australian exploitation films that ended up in Hong Kong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And um, yeah, because similarly, like you know, you could hire crews for relatively cheap. Um, just because of, you know, the, the way money works when you move to a different country. <laughs> but now China is becoming a huge film market. And there's all these weird laws about, like, how many international films are allowed to release in China a year. So it creates also this, like, competitive market. 
um, in the, like, Hollywood film industry, where, like, because only a certain number of movies can be shown from America each year, um, they have incentives. So you may have noticed, um, a lot of movies inextricably having scenes in China lately, like, over the past few years. Like, suddenly in, like, Transformers 4, there's a it's seen in Beijing, like, and, um, or even recently, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Suddenly, they're in China for a bit. And this is because, you know, it creates, it, it, it incentives for the Chinese government to, um, show the film because it's positively portrayed. Even if that positive portrayal is just, they're there and it's not shit. Now, you may have also noticed, if you're like me at all, Xiao Young Fat is really not in anything in these days. And that's because, unlike Jackie Chan, Xiao Young Fat is super critical of China and pro-democracy, uh, which has taken a huge hit to his career. He hasn't really been in many movies, and he hasn't really been in many American movies either. Um, and this is the kind of, like, subtext and thing you kind of don't really see is... Uh, people not casting certain Chinese-American actors because of their outspokenness against uh, China and their pro-democracy stances. Like, uh, I've forgotten his name, but the dude from, like, uh, the Ip Man series, and he was recently in, like, Star Wars. Um, he's very pro-mainland China. Or the actress who played Mulan um, in the recent Disney movie is, is pro-mainland China. Then, uh, in, in May of 2020, Jackie joined more than 2,000 performing artists, including that actress, uh, in a joint signed statement in support of the new Hong Kong security laws. It read in part, We fully understand the importance of safeguarding national security for Hong Kong and support the decision of the National People Congress on Hong Kong national security law. It's a bit of a wordful mouthful, but essentially it was a bunch of artists going like, yeah, we side with this law. It's just kind of weird thing for a bunch of artists to do. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't see, you didn't see like you know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon sign a joint like statement going like, yeah, we're um, we're pro the Patriot Act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, feels a bit like propagandary. Yeah, no, it is, and like, and there is a big. Um, there is a big element of propaganda to it, like the. The statement, if you if you can find it online, it's worth reading. Um, but essentially, it boils down to like we want to get things back to um, a kind of unified cultural state of positivity and representation. And it also so it's just all, absorption it, of of like a Hong Kong identity. Yeah, it's worded in that way of like we want you know we want the most free like art scene we can imagine, but it's like yeah, but the implication is you want this specific art scene. Yeah, and it's weird because like you know if you go to like Jackie's recent movies in China, like you know we haven't really seen releases of them but he's become like this uh like almost like prestige actor of like playing like you know the the kind of like Gary old the equivalent of like Gary Oldman roles of like playing like uh people from history in 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 Chinese war kind of retellings so yeah that's kind of my summation he's just kind of moved you know started off as the young young kid owing his career to the Hong Kong film industry that made him a star, went over to America, uh, 
claimed that America was the most corrupt country he'd ever been in. Um, and now his celebrity is so powerful uh, that China has co-opted him as kind of an ambassador. And now he openly stands uh, against the Hong Kong protests. But I, but I guess, as I said, it's not something new. Like that quote from 2009 that like that people shouldn't be... Fr- that people, Chinese people need to be controlled is some crazy shit for some, yeah, anybody yeah. to say of any like nationality. Really? Yeah, and especially to have like grown up... Well, like, you know, as far as... I don't know, like this is just me guessing, but it's like you grew up in Hong Kong, so you didn't grow up in China... You made your start in Hong Kong. You moved to the States where your autonomy kind of remains. And then only after you're this like big time celebrity where you get to have your autonomy when you decide to go back to China. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think there's like, you know, an element of say, um, like Tom Cruise in Scientology to it. Like, you know, Jackie gets to be this. Uh, part of like the special circle, yeah. So yeah, I'm sure, sure there's like it, like to to give him a, a certain amount of like kind of credit is like a, there's just an ignorance and an unawareness. Uh, I think he is about the the current state of suffering. Yeah, yeah, definitely feels that way, and especially if he's just like getting paid for it, you know. Yeah, I would also encourage people to uh, on Vimeo at the moment you can pay to watch. Uh, Ai Weiwei's new documentary, uh, Cockroach, which is about the Hong Kong protests. It's not very informative about, like, what the protests are about, or it's more just kind of, like, 90 minutes of insanely well shot and kind of the whole time wondering how the hell did you get this footage of, of the protests themselves. Trigger warning to people, there is some very disturbing and confrontational footage in it. But it's really worth watching to see, like, actually the like kind of the state of the of the fighting going on between the protesters and um, and the police. But yeah, that's uh, that's the, that's Jackie Chan um, from Son of Hong Kong to Dog of the Chinese Party. <laughs> Sorry to bum you out, everybody, but you know. Don't have heroes. It's not never meet your heroes. Don't have heroes. <laughs> yeah, unless it's Bruce Lee. Yes, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because side note, Bruce Lee straight up always stood for, stood for Hong Kong and democracy. Yeah, yeah, he, he you know, he died a hero. <laughs> he yeah, didn't live I, long I enough to, be, to become the villain, luckily. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, Miller, thank you so much for uh, coming on and uh, explaining this whole little strange chapter to... Yeah, Hong thanks Kong's for having me. Continually sad history. <laughs> yeah, lucky to be here. I uh, one day uh, in the future, when you have another reason for me to be on and talk about something barely related to what you're talking <laughs> about, I would, I'm happy to come back. Number yeah, one no, fan, exactly. after all. Number one fan. And everybody else fan. who likes this podcast, come and fight me. I will. <laughs> I'll take you down. I, I watch a lot of Jackie Chan movies, so I I can fight. I think. <laughs> awesome, yeah. And uh, I'd say to everybody also, it's worth just going back and watching some uh, old Hong Kong films, watch some like Wong Kar Wai, In the Mood for Love, Chunking Express, and then uh, Internal uh, Infernal Affairs. Yes. Oh, yeah, to, to those out of the know, the, the Departed is just Infernal Affairs, and frankly worse. Yeah, yeah, nowhere near as good, yeah. 
Like, you know, if you think that's a good movie, if you're a Martin Scorsese stan, we'll do yourself a favour and watch Infernal Affairs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Miller. We'll, uh, yeah, uh, appreciate you coming on the show and uh, we'll try and get you back on again at some point. Yay! <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Uh, this was fun. Ah! <laughs> 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 Hello listeners, this week on Opheads, Zeb read articles from Jacobin and Fox News. Tom read articles from The Atlantic and The Guardian. For a full list of sources and more, head to cowardspace.com forward slash Opheads. See ya. So, uh, yes, um... My topic for uh, this week and last week, I guess, uh, was, yes, uh, Bolivia and the um, ousting of the um, of the long-standing, I think, what, like 14, 14, uh, 13, 14 years uh, long oh, really? presidency of Evo Morales, who was the uh, mm. first indigenous um, uh, president of the country ever. And... Um, mm. <clears throat> the longest running since uh, I think the longest running since um, Bolivia managed to shake its last dictatorship in the 80s it was written down the mass party is the movement for socialism party I'm pretty sure um, right and there and so it'd be pretty it'd be pretty fair to say that they're not fond of the US getting involved with their politics no well a lot of like a lot of his um, yeah the movement for socialism party um, a lot of his uh policy has been about like um kind of ending uh like foreign interference within Bolivia and kind of like um nationalizing a lot of like resources and and uh industry to so that it can't be sold off or bought for for cheap by foreign actors so um so yeah he's been he was elected in 2006 um Eva Morales, he's uh, an indigenous dude um, from a, uh, I think it's, I think he comes from like a coca growing region, I'm pretty sure. And he comes like, he, he has a background in, uh, in, in uh, like unions, labor unions for a long time. And then he was elected, uh, elected president. And then, um, uh, how does this work? So Bolivia, Bolivia has like a... Uh, thing in their constitution that like they have a, a term limit on on uh on like for presidents and um he should have uh like surpassed that but then there was an argument at some point i can't i think this happened in 2014 that he uh couldn't be re-elected but the constitution had changed in the time that he was the president and so they argued that that sort of like term limit only applied to him after the implementation of the new constitution right does that make sense and is it fair i kind of get it but it it, would it be fair to characterize him as like it like is was he a people's person a man of the people's people's president absolutely yeah like he was obviously he did a lot for um for indigenous bolivians of which there are a lot and then right he was also like yeah he was very anti-establishment like anti like uh like right wing elite and all of that kind of stuff and mm. quite quite loved for like a long time because 
he like economically he was really switched on. I think there was like there there's been allegations of the mass be- party being like having pretty big issues with sexism, but I didn't uh, like I didn't I don't know what they were, but I know that he's also right, okay. like um, just before he was uh, kicked out, he um, they had started like a movement to like uh, fight femicide and this sort of thing. So. Even in that regard, I think things were kind of like starting to get better. Okay. But yeah, so um, I guess like this story starts in uh, like towards the end of uh, October in 2019, Bolivia has an election. So what happens is in Bolivia, uh, I'll try not to get into this too much, but in Bolivia, there's like uh, to win an, uh, like an election outright, you have, to, uh, you have to win by over 10%, like 10 points of the vote. Um, and if it's mm. less than that, it goes into a runoff election to determine it. And so, so, yeah, they have an election. He uh, declares victory after a small blackout or something like this. Like, there's a there's a blackout right. where people can't really see the results coming in live. And in that blackout that lasts, uh, like, 12 hours or so, he ends up coming out on top. And immediately that uh, gets the attention of the... Uh, immediately that gets the attention of the Organization of American States, which is like a, a Washington-based like think tank and kind of like supposed watchdog of like democratic processes right. through the Americas. I, I just love, I love that like the, uh, is this just a normal, totally established thing that the US can have these kind of like, <laughs> these sort of, these like um, think tanks that like exist within countries to like determine whether or not like the country is free or democratic like is that a yeah normal... i know it's fucking like, it just seems the same in yeah. hong kong it's so strange it just seems so strange that they yeah. should that not be left up to the united nations and even then not really or just the, anyone or the, no one apart from the countries no. yeah yeah it should be up to the country <laughs> yeah but um so these so the so the uh oas the organization of american states um uh American states, as in like the United America, like the uh, US the, states, like or the, just the, the Americas? Of America, like of the Americas. Yeah. yeah, okay. The nations of America, yeah. Yes, um, yes. So they put out a thing, they, they say quickly and to the media that they suspect that there has been some sort of rigging going on. And while. Because like, of the blackout. Because right. of the blackout. And so he but comes does, out it of does that feel blackout. Like, like, what a. I can't think of anything more rife for conspiracy theory than a blackout happening right before the election. Oh uh, yeah, is, like, absolutely. <laughs> but so how inconvenient. Leading up to the election, some like what was happening was that the um the the like conservative parties and like conservative kind of like wealthy people of the of the country were pushing a huge campaign of like there will be election, there will be voter fraud, there will be election rigging and all of this kind of stuff in the months right, leading right, up. Right, right, okay. So okay, the, the, yeah. kind of, the whole country yeah. was primed for this conspiracy theory to, to kind of happen. Right, okay. And so in those, like, 18 hours, people get really stressed. Like, during the blackout, people get really stressed. Uh, and also just to... It was a blackout. That's stressful in itself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yes. But people thought that it was all engineered. And so... Uh, while this is going on, Morales, like anti-Morales uh, protesters start kind of like kicking off a little bit. He comes out, he's declared victory. And yeah, the OAS has said like, oh no, this is all very suspicious and all of this kind of stuff. And mm. so <clears throat> protests start like coming out straight away from like anti-Morales, like from an anti-Morales movement. 
and um, right. kind of pushed by like of all of these people who have been sort of like galvanized by the media reporting leading up to and now like in full swing as the uh, like as all of this drama is kind of happening right now. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> he declares a victory. It all kicks off, and then um, and he declares victory. Uh, with the extra 10 points like he, uh, it's something like 76.8 uh, like over I can't remember the exact maths but he, he like he wins without requiring a runoff election you know after a little like a couple of days of um, yeah no not, not long like maximum of two weeks I can't remember exactly um, of kind of like political unrest Morales resigns after the uh, chief of the army withdraws his support for him, essentially saying, like, we, the military, will not protect you as, like, our president anymore. Mm. And so he resigns and immediately flees the country. He, like, uh, seeks asylum in in Mexico. Really? Was it that bad? Was he, like, under that much danger? It was, yeah, it was really bad. And so the woman who... It was like the beginnings of a coup... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> like that, yeah. that was it. As soon as the military says that, it's yeah, a yeah, coup it was like yeah. it was a soft coup, and that was that was like a military threat of a hard coup. Yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, so the next step is <laughs> who coup are d'etat. we backing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love saying that word. And so the next coup d'état. <laughs> <laughs> I said it like three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, after Morales is kicked out, the new interim president is uh, this woman, Janine Añez, and fuck, she is just a piece of shit. Like, oh, no. she is <laughs> just awful, 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 yeah. awful woman. So, um, wait, but she was she a part of the same party? No, she's it? no, she comes from the. From, opposing party yeah yeah big time she uh she comes from uh like a like an area near the amazon i think um which has like a high population of indigenous people but she is not she is very much of european descent and right, she right. is not a fan of the indigenous at all she refers to them as right. satanists and pagans and oh, so no. so what happened was so she comes from a background of law she was a lawyer but then Predominantly, what she's done, she's been like a um, like a corporate uh, like news TV personality, and that's like how she kind of got big. But um, okay, she after the uh, resignation of Morales, she, yeah, after the uh, after the resignation of Morales, Anya's uh, like um, says that she's going to mobilize like a fleet of helicopters to. Um, to like transport all of the parliamentarians from around Bolivia to the capital so that they could figure out what was going to happen. And um, that just seems like oh such a God. waste of resources. No, it's not because like <laughs> the whole place is on fire. Like everything, oh, like oh, everything, right. is, oh, okay, everything right. is getting very, very serious. Oh, okay. So she says that she's going to like uh, bring this like fleet, like get out this like fleet of helicopters to transport all of the parliamentarians to the capital so that they could figure out who was going to be next in line and, like, who was going to be the interim pe- president and all this kind of right, stuff. Right, okay. But so I thought she could, was the interim president. Yeah, yeah. This is before she officially becomes the interim president. Oh, oh, this, okay. is, like, this okay. is how she becomes the oh, interim president. Okay, okay. So she sends out these helicopters, but they only go to 
like right wing representatives of <gasps> like you oh, know, really? and transport these people to the uh, plurinational legislative legislative assembly, which is where they're going to make this decision. Mm-hmm. And well, so, this is very yes, yes. And so, um, the like the mass party, their representatives have like two third, like a two third majority of of the seats in Bolivian Parliament, and none of them. <gasps> Uh, are invited to really? to sort right. this thing out, That's so, so cool. they're instead forced to come by car and land and all of this kind of stuff and fight their way through paramilitary groups that have been organised by yeah, these right wingers, yeah, yeah. as well as cops, military protests, and all of this kind of shit, all the way from any any corner of Bolivia, all the way to the capital of La Paz, and they yeah literally had to like bash their way. Like oh to God. the assembly, right? So it's like, a coup. It's just it's just a straight up. coup. It's a straight up coup. And then by the time they get there, their offices are being ransacked by like, you yeah, know, by yeah. paramilitary, by the military, by like these right wingers. So wild. That's oh my goodness. Yeah, and so sure enough, Mar- uh, uh, Janine Añez becomes the uh, interim president, mm. and mm. she was only there for. Uh, not even uh, not even a year, I don't think. Oh, maybe just over a year. She was the interim president. And um, I read a thing somewhere. I didn't save it for some reason. But um, so, like uh, some uh, organization at Harvard University figured out that it was like the bloodiest year in, like politically the bloodiest year in Bolivia yeah, since yeah. their dictatorship. Oh my! Yeah, yeah. Would, would people characterize it as a return to the di- dictatorship, or was it yeah. a kind of new right wing? It, it, uh, she was building to a dictatorship, but I'll I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. Okay. But, um, yeah, she uh, didn't pull it off. So well, good, good. Yeah, no, riddance. yeah, good. Yeah, but um, so yeah, to explain a little bit more about uh, Janine Añez, yeah, so she has this idea that um, that uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, indigenous Bolivians are Satanists and cowards and all of this kind of stuff. And so when she came into power and she didn't uh, re-elect any any Indigenous people into the cabinet, mm. so they had an Indigenous-free cabinet when it was like an almost majority Indigenous cabinet, she said, like, the Bible has finally returned to the, <gasps> to the parliament mm. and we've, like, cleaned this, like, satanic savagery from... <gasps> From oh my god! From the oh parliament, my yeah, god. she's pure fucking evil. And actually, yeah, to to uh, <laughs> to um, to highlight how evil she is, so um, yeah, like she would kind of like often claim that she was like a big champion of women and women's rights and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but like the the you know paramilitary groups that she was like in in huge support for as well as like just like full on street gangs of like right wing thugs mm-hmm. that she like openly supported were regularly assaulting and threatening the lives of like various women that had like you know were trying to testify about various like political mm-hmm. you know like like these two massacres that I'll talk about and all of this kind of stuff and then there's like for a for a single thing that I think proves it perfectly. Just before uh, this whole thing happened, mm. these uh, this like gang of like these young boys who were all like sons of oligarchs and stuff had been mm. oligarchs. Oligarchs, like an oligarch, you know, like a rich and powerful, like monopoly uh. having person. 
Um, so like yeah, Murdoch or something. Yeah, yeah Murdoch's yeah. an oligarch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> there's yeah, there's like this like group of these like teenage like oh maybe not teenage but like young dudes had um like gang raped this this girl that they knew. Oh my god, that's horrible. And and this is heavy, but I'm gonna explain it for this, like so that we all, we all know. So she was gang raped by these boys, these rich, rich, like top tier rich kids. She was brought into hospital with mm. quote her like genitals destroyed. Oh and then God, she dude. was there in like agonizing pain for weeks and then she died. And mm. then so like these this gang of kids like got tried and convicted and thrown in jail for, you know, like this awful, awful thing. And she very quickly into her presidency released him. <gasps> Yeah, back out there. Hell, yeah. Oh while God, also yeah, saying absolutely. that she was a champion of of women's rights and that the like that the mass party and uh, Eva Morales were these like big time misogynists and all this kind of stuff. Oh my God! Yeah, 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 horrifying. Yeah, that's awful. Fuck this woman. That's disgusting. Oh, yeah. yeah, she's the worst. And oh. so, <clears throat> um, another thing that uh, she that happened in her you know little reign of terror was um, the uh, Sincada and. C- uh, Sigapa, uh, Sik- Sikapa massacres, uh, which are two separate incidences um, that get lumped together. I guess they happened around the same time and they represented the same sort of thing. But um, to talk about the Sankata massacre, so um, mm-hmm. this happened in a, like a this like highland city called um, El Alto, which is like a pretty indigenous city. But not uh, like not the same indigenous people. I got to stop drinking beer while I'm doing my <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, like an indigenous city, but not a, a, like not the same indigenous community that uh, Morales belongs to. But like mm-hmm. still an indigenous com- like city. Um, there was protests going on, like pro Morales protests happening, and. Uh, they were they were creating like blockades throughout the city, and one of the main ones was in front of the uh, like or around the Sincada, um gas plant, and so they were they were essentially trying to like hold the the gas uh, like hostage so that it couldn't be used by like the new Anya's regime and all this kind of stuff, and in an effort like to um, uh, like uh, dismantle disperse this blockade the military paramilitary and police ended up just like firing <gasps> live rounds into these oh like into these protesters um i think ended up killing eight people it might be more i'm not totally sure but like killing eight mm-hmm. wounding you know like tens of others like heaps of people um yeah and people who aren't even necessarily super political they were just there doing their thing mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. ended up getting shot and killed and it's it was very very tragic. And then there was the Sigapa Sigapa massacre, which um, was uh, a group of indigenous like peasants and workers had. Um, this is like all of these indigenous. I'm going to say the word peasants because like that's kind of the said thing in in Bolivia and in all of the articles that I was reading. Peasants obviously has its own connotations here in the West or in you know very developed countries, but. You know, like the, a, pl- a peasant class can exist in other places, and it's like not necessarily a hugely derogatory or discriminatory yeah. sort of term. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, indigenous peasants and and like workers, like farm workers and so on, 
were trying to march from their home city of Sakapa to the region's like capital, which is called a uh, Cochabamba, um, in the hopes of then from there continuing their march over to the nation's capital of La Paz to like join the the larger protest movement. But on their way out of the city, they quickly ran into like a big police, paramilitary, and military blockade. Who again, as the protesters tried to keep marching through to where they wanted to go, got opened up on by the by the cops and everybody shot them all down. I think it was like eleven people killed, roughly. Again, like not totally mm, sure. Terrible. Eleven people killed. Another, you know, tens, you know, oh, like goodness. fifty or so, whatever, um, injured by the whole thing, and then. <clears throat> Añez, Janine Añez. Um, <laughs> so this is a quote from a, an article from Jacobin, which is a very heavy-handed socialist uh, American website. Um, mm. Her pre- presidential decree uh, four, uh, 4078 issued just two days after the coup gave... Sol- oh, no, wait, sorry. Yeah, after the Sankata uh, uh, and Sabaka message. After the Sankata <laughs> and Sakapa massacres, Añez de- decorated the military personnel who committed those, um, like oh those God. massacres, like gave them all medals oh for their God. for their stuff. Jesus Christ! And then woman? and then she pledged an extra five hundred, uh, sorry, an extra five million in military spending. So oh, in doing that, like it's a pretty clear act of like kind of consolidating your military mm-hmm. favor, mm-hmm. you know, to to build this dictatorship yeah, that she yeah. was kind of working yeah. towards. Yeah. God. Yeah, it's I not so it, it's not so unclear where her allegiances lie, you know. No. Oh, no, no. And it, what her aspirations mm. are are very obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting because Bolivia was very much like um they kind of got lucky in a sense that uh she was only the interim president and part of her whole thing was that like there would be another election in a year or so. And because she was kind of like bound to that, because it was such a short amount of time between her becoming the president and then having this election, she had to follow through with the election. Mm-hmm. In which ah, she lost, yeah, right. but we'll get to that. And Thank so, God. Yeah. <laughs> and so another thing that she did was she, um, yeah, two days after the coup started, uh, she like her presidential decree number four hundred uh, four thousand and seventy eight um, gave soldiers and police protections uh, police protections from any legal consequences for any violence they might commit in pursuit of what Anya's termed a recovery of civilized society, oh my God. which was essentially you know license to kill any any <gasps> protester anything like that. Yeah, let's fucking go. Like, Jesus. This is next idea. And she's done that, it's interesting, because she's done that two days after the like she's come into power, which means that she knows that lethal force mm-hmm. is going to be necessary to, to maintain her power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then at the same yeah, time, throughout her, telling, yeah. with a, throughout her entire stretch as president, she has, like, said, I... You know, no one was killed by by Bolivian military. No one was killed by Bolivian pe- police at any point. Mm-hmm. How can people just so blatantly lie like that? I just I find that so baffling. It's yeah, it's really frustrating. I just yeah. don't yeah. understand. Well, I think I think it's because people like who you know I don't know like it's a it's just you know who's going to the people that that want to back her. It's just ammo for them to be able to back her, right? Like, um, I guess yeah. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Like, 
you know, they can just say false flag. They can say it was protesters firing on themselves and they can say all of these sorts of things. And, it's just so... And, oh. you know, when you're the president, you know, Trump <laughs> Trump proved it. Like, you can just lie and, and people kind of have, so have to, like, figure out what to do with that lie. There's, like, one other We're thing... We're living that... in the post, post-truth reality. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, actually, this is doesn't have to be included in the podcast, but one of James's best friends is actually doing her PhD in a post-Trump era in terms of history and conflict and politics. It's fascinating. Mm. Anyways, continue. All right, so um, the last thing that I'm going to talk about uh, for how awful this woman is and her and her reign was, was um, on the 5th of March last year, uh, it was the 35th anniversary of um, the city of Al Alto, um, where, mm. um, and a whole bunch of, like, right-winger politicians, like, you know, like arrived and tried to say that they were like the, you know, saviors of the country and all of this kind of stuff. And Agnes came in and she was like escorted, escorted by like this big, huge group of like police and soldiers and all of this kind of stuff. Mm. And um, it seems as though this is like, this is, I'm getting all of this from this Jacobin article that she was like anticipating the bloodshed that would come with all of this because she had like mobilized a whole bunch of firefighters and ambulances like before they arrived. And then on that day, I'm going to just read this quote from the Jacobin article. That day, cameraman Rene Gar- uh, Garacci filmed the reaction of the security forces to El Alto's in, uh, El Alto inhabitants when the latter protested the presence of Añez. They had just held a mass to honor the massacre victims who had died in the neighborhood of Sencada, remembering this is the same, this is the same city where the Sencada massacre had happened. Oh yeah, right. The footage shows uniformed officers fire uh, f- the uniformed forces firing tear gas on residences while gas poured mm. into a school, causing terror. The children, oh my cr- God. the crying children, were met with police <gasps> aggression. Oh my God! And then oh, <clears throat> Jesus fucking Christ! Jesus it's very Christ. fucking intense stuff. Guaracci uh, works with the media outlet uh, um, of the Butalina Sisa Confederation, an enormous network of an indigenous and ca- uh, campesina women. He streamed the footage of the repression live on their website, which was ultimately viewed by 800,000 people. For transgressing mm. the de facto state censorship, Guarachi Go, uh, was tortured. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Right, okay. yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I want to pause here to sort of like just to compare, you know, going back to Hong Kong and like the the difference between, you know, when I talk about the difference between the kind of the, the worthy victim and the unworthy victim and like mm. why uh, this is a, a much more extreme political situation than Hong Kong might yeah. be, you know. But I think that's also, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know, this is just a st- thought, but I feel like the US always seems to interfere and make their presence known in conflicts, like foreign conflicts, that aren't really like this violent like this wild as Bolivia is like I feel like obviously the Hong Kong protests were violent and brutal in their own way but this what's going on in Bolivia is like on a whole other level and it just seems that the US like well, pick and choose you know the battles that they want yeah, but to be I involved think, in I think I think the 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 point is I think the US has a lot to do with this culture springing up in the first place I think that the like when the U when it comes to the US and South America you know, it's it's where they they can influence and where they can't, and I think yeah, like, yeah, exactly. But they choose not to be involved 
when actually the shit hits the well, fan. <clears throat> it turns out that like there's a very good chance that there was like CIA like involved the whole ad- time advising yeah. Anya's <gasps> on all of her movements and all really? of, yeah, I, I, all I of her would actions. Would not be yeah. surprised at all. Yeah, exactly. No, the US kind of the CIA like use things like this. Like from what I mean, you know, I sound okay, like we I'm can sort remove of, like my comment. Ignore. Don't include. Well, I think I think, but I think it's I think it's worth mentioning that like the, the you know the CIA like use. Uh, like use this kind of like confusion and violence and and you know like um to their advantage like it's a part of like their playbook is to like you know exploit situations like this and create situations like this you know it's also uh, it's worth mentioning that um this I wouldn't say that this is like concrete why it happened but there is very yeah, interesting yeah. parallels to be drawn from how. This whole thing happened to Morales with, like, you know, the the lead up during the lead up to the election. There's all of this talk of mm-hmm. predicted corruption, predicted voter yeah, rigging, yeah, yeah. election rigging, and all of this kind of stuff. And then it happens exactly like that in the states. That's exactly yeah. what Trump did coming up to yeah, his own yeah. election. You know, he mm. and yeah, and then yeah. and then you have the storming of the Capitol. These things, like that, like it's mm. quite similar. It didn't ha- it didn't work out in the same way. Like the end result wasn't the same, Mm-mm-mm-mm. but. It okay. kind of acted as like a strange trial run for like right? yeah, yeah, yeah. for what try and this is Trump's doing. This is Trump's America, yeah. you know, creating yeah, yeah, this yeah. situ like this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. It is very interesting. Yeah, and so, um, yeah. but luckily, uh, yeah, she was bound to this to this upcoming election, and sure enough, uh, the election was in March this year. The Mass Party. The mass party got back One. in. Uh, yeah. With, <laughs> By uh, a lot. <laughs> with, um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, hold on. Uh, I think his name's Lewis Aker. Morales, no? You don't, no? No, no, no. Morales was never... Oh. Like, he, he fled the country. No, he's he's come back. He came back oh, recently. Okay. He came back in May uh, to a huge, huge oh, response. Ah, uh, Mor- uh, Morales was... Okay, well, yeah. You're about to explain. Uh, no. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, Luis Aker. Uh, Aker. Uh, uh, Okay, okay. I don't, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. A R C E. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, he was real. Like he was elected in the ma- and the mass party, are, uh, the mass party are back in, and Yay. and since then, um, old mate uh, Janine Anyas has been indicted and imprisoned. <laughs> oh, for, for her, hooray! Yeah, for her role, she's yeah, been yeah. charged with. Um, she's been charged with sedition, terrorism, and conspiracy. And uh, yeah, she's being held in some jail yes. somewhere. Good, good, she's good, probably good. not being treated very well, but I kind of think fuck her, and who cares? <laughs> I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't really mind. Uh, sedition for anyone that doesn't know is like like um, uh, uh, overt conduct such as speech and organisation that tend towards rebellion against the established order. Sedition often includes subversion of a constitution and incitement of discontent towards or insurrection against established authority. Is this what Trump was charged with after the storming of the Capitol? I, I don't know. I don't think he was, was charged, charged with, with anything. Sedition. I don't know. I'm sure been, he was, wasn't he? I, I don't know. I think, I, be, should, I, might, I think he might have been incited for inciting a riot. I think that might have yeah. been what he got charged with, if he got charged. Yeah. But yeah. So um, I guess like on the... I think that um, I kind of came out of this one uh, with a similar thing to when we did... Um, uh, then I could go on a Karabakh stuff where mm. I think there's a certain element of it where, oh, maybe I even just might have talked about this in my politics class. <laughs> I might not have <laughs> mentioned this in the podcast at all. But, you know, like um, when you have something, 
uh, when you have something that's like when you have a news item that is sort of uh, obscure in like towards the the masses of the West, in particular, mm-hmm. the, like America, the the bias that comes through the the reporting is a bit more undercover. I think, yeah. like mm-hmm. you know, like and I think the BLM is a good example of it at its most overt, where it's like what you're talking about, Tom, with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, where it's like you have an active murderer shooting yeah. someone, and as that person's getting shot they're talking about the criminal charges of the victim. Yeah. And so it's like, that's like yeah. so, so plain to see. Mm-hmm. Whereas like yeah. when it's something that requires, like if you're going to be reading about this, you're going to like, there's an assumption that you've got a bit of a brain, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so like, they're going to mm-hmm. try and do it a bit more subtle. Like it's going to be a bit more subtle and, and sort of sketchy. But I also think that when you're reading about something um, like that you don't necessarily have that much knowledge on. Like if I was reading an article about the Bolivia protests and the coup d'etat that was happening, I would be so focused on the information that I wouldn't really be paying attention to the tone or the wording. I would just be picking out like facts and I'd be like, okay, so that happened, that happened, that happened. And I wouldn't be paying attention. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I also think like on that point that like the interesting thing is like, you know, that – it's written for people who are looking for it anyway, as in mm. like, well, we have to say something about it, so let's, you know, write this. But it's not, you know, the news, like there's an argument in terms of like different what the news should be, but like it's not something that the the media is willing to introduce to someone the way they might exactly, want to yeah. introduce ideas like Hong Kong, you know, like you're not yeah, going and to then, find and they're not, like, they're not going to invest a whole lot of time in trying to shape someone's ideology yeah. through yeah, this yeah, particular yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, not going to do the job. It's not appealing yeah, to no, the masses no. of people. Yeah, totally. And like, and I think it's a, like there's just like less of a reason to invest in in like in trying to make it sound like you know some particular sort of way. But that being said, like looking at a lot of the American reporting of it, it is there is like some great bias. Like you see a lot of um, you know like since since Anya's arrest, there's been a lot of like you know like oh, we don't know where she's being held and all of this kind of like... Okay. This kind of stuff where it's like she's being illegally kept prisoner and all this kind of stuff. While disregarding the fact that like the the the, the deputy leader of the mass party under her, you know, like power was just dead set kidnapped. Like she was... Like they, yeah, he wasn't yeah. arrested. He was oh, wow. kidnapped in his home ransacked. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the homes of his family were, you know, Jesus. like same thing with Morales. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and so... There's like a lot well, of. Those I think sort- there's an inherent. I, I think they have inherently. We know that like her party would probably have some pretty good accommodation for his kidnapping. You can <laughs> yes, see of that course. she's a classy yeah, very, person. Very, very wealthy. Yeah. Would not, not the sort of person who would chuck someone into just a dirty basement. No, <laughs> no, not just a hole in the ground somewhere. No, but yeah, and no. so um, I guess like you know that was to me that was the most like striking and obvious sort of bias. Um, Mm-mm. But again, like this is like so. That's you know, this is like fa- like page fifteen sort of yeah. news. By the time it's like the woman who was the president of of Bolivia, you know, has now been arrested. It's like you know, right. the U.S. don't care about that. Like the the the, the general public in the in the U.S. don't really care about that sort of thing. Um, but how they, then, how do they characterize Morales in general? Like that's why I'm interested to like before. You know, like in general, how how do they speak of Morales as like fleeing as a or as a very as like a very corrupt man? Like mm. they say that he um, 
that his presidency is illegitimate because of the the term limitation stuff, which you know right. could be argued to be true. I suppose, like I, you know, mm. I don't really like have a huge opinion on it. I think he was a good president, so I don't really care that much. But, um, yeah, they talk a lot about corruption. They talk a lot about vote rigging. They talk a lot about the discontent that he sowed in the country and all of this kind of stuff, which really feels like it was engineered by right wing media to yeah. create, you know, discontent mm-hmm. in the name mm-hmm. of Morales rather than Morales creating it himself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just mo- it's a lot of that stuff, and then and then obviously from the election on, it becomes very much like this man who stole the election and and in the most like right. overt way ever. And they have like the main thing that that everyone can kind of like point to is like is the the organization of American states like that that entity mm. and their claim of of election rigging is what gives weight to the whole the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. that's like the one sort of legitimizing um like uh reference that that the news can make to to prove that like this guy, you know, stole the election and and it was completely right, legitimate. Right. And mm-hmm. and there's a lot like and they they tend to talk a lot about you know, his kind of like growing dictatorship and all of this kind of stuff because he's been in power for all of this time. But it's like, I think this whole thing has kind of been proven untrue by the fact that his party was elected again. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not a yeah, dictatorship exactly. if, you know, like Robert Menzies was not a dictator. He was just fucking elected, elected and elected <laughs> yeah. and elected. Yeah, it just, yeah. It's just how but it happens. That's what I'm curious to know is like when they must, they must have to, unless they sort of dance around it, which in itself is telling, they must have to discuss the people like within this, like beyond Morales and like the, the politicians, like when people are, are, are protesting for the reinstatement of Morales are voting for Morales, clearly he was a pretty popular president. Are they just saying, well, all the people that are protesting on his, uh, to reinstate <laughs> yeah. him are, are wrong? Or like they Rioters. Just have... They're just like they don't say yeah, the word yeah. protest, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. They say yeah, like yeah. anti-Morales protesters and pro-Morales rioters, you know? Like, right, the, like right, it's right, just right, like right. those simple little, tiny little changes of language that can just like say everything. But they say so much. It just like yeah. reinforces the power of language and how important it is to use Absolutely. Because when you have enough, when you have when you have enough pro Morales protesters that they'll vote him in in like a landslide election, it's pretty telling that like yeah, it's exactly. Not, not, <laughs> you know, it's mad. Like yeah, oh, yeah. God. yeah. It's a it's a crazy story, but I think that like in the end, it bought, no, I can't. I was about to say it has a happy ending. I wouldn't say it has a happy ending because there's no, like there's died. like nearly fifty people dead that didn't need. to didn't need to be dead at all and like a lot of Absolutely, like yeah. progress that was like completely lost yeah. um in that sort of like year that she was around but it does i think that it uh, i guess like a silver lining is that it really legitimizes the pa- like the like the mass party and what like leftism sort of mm. means to bolivia and now that it, it, this has happened it's going to be harder i would hope for this to happen again because it's like yeah because they can see what the alternative yeah, is yeah it's like yeah, it's like it's hard it, it's easier to refute like vote rigging and mm. all of this kind of stuff yeah. when when despite all of this they still came mm. back around like despite the, the efforts free like those like yeah. unbelievable like imagine how much money was spent on trying to engineer yeah, 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 yeah. The, like uh, like an appreciation for like Anya's and all of these conservative parties in Bolivia yeah yeah when and it really just took like someone who was like a regular union working indigenous dude to come along with not a whole lot of money and and to win power 
two times, you know, after this whole I thing. Mean, and, and, and from my understanding is like that the the US uh, or sort of like, I don't know, yeah, like the sort of US, pro-US forces within the country, like spend a lot of time and effort to make sure that like, yeah, this is a, this is going to be a free and fair election, assuming that Morales was going to lose. And then when Morales won, there's a bit of egg. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think, I think if I, I sort of to boil this down and like, I think kind of moving into sort of like, uh, I think what's interesting is like, and it's this thing of like, you know, I see sometimes that people talk about like why the media in the US might focus on something or, or, or media in general might focus on something and, and that it might not be connected to politics. But it might just be because a story is more interesting and that, yeah. and that people can. But I think here's my my thing is like if you if we if we, you know, like we look at Hong Kong and we look at you know Bolivia right and we sort of like we know why you know like Fox News would want to report on Hong Kong and why it wouldn't want to report on some of the protests you know like the pro Morales protests but let's let's forget that let's just imagine we don't know about that at all let's imagine we don't have any idea about like the mm-hmm. you know like the US's opinions on that I think what's interesting is is why why are the protesters in Hong Kong you know if, if we're really coming from that vantage point what and, and we and we forget, you know, Fox's ideology, and we genuinely believe that Fox News is interested in like freedom and pro democracy, and and that's what they want to see. Mm-hmm. Why would we? Why would we, as a Fox News viewer, want to associate ourselves more with someone from Hong Kong, like a student, than someone from, you know, a country where they're arguably dealing with a lot? They have a lot more stakes. There's a lot more to lose. Like, and I think the only solution is like. Because the US has more involvement with one situation than the other. So I think that, I don't know, like that, that little thought but experiment is that also was like. not like the way that I view it as well is I, is I think that, um, I don't know how to put this into words, but I think like as a Fox News viewer and seeing the interest in Hong Kong and that being an Asian nation associated with China and then the way that people view China and the way that the Western world views China as this kind of another superpower that needs to be reckoned with or that we need to be comrades with or whatever it is. To the general public, they're going to see that and they're going to be like, oh, it makes sense that we're like doing something that involves that side of the world. But when they see Bolivia, they're just like, oh, whatever. Like, why does that affect us? That exactly, has but- nothing to do with us kind of thing. My point is that that's exactly my my point is that is oh, that okay. I'm sorry. is that is that there's a reason and you know like I mean like I'm I'm, I'm making a very almost condescending sweeping generalizations here but I think it's interesting that removing ourselves completely from everything stripping back all like you know like I mean like t- the fact that we look at China differently than we look at like a, 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 a authoritarian right government in Bolivia yeah, is interesting. Yeah. It is, and it, it is comes. Very it, interesting. And it's there's very some reasons for that. I think it comes from this. It comes from a, a, a give and take, or like what can be gained from this relationship. Yeah, and well, that's the thing. It's like like there is there is something to be gained by by highlighting like another country's struggle against China, but there is no exactly, interest yeah. in highlighting a nation that is publicized like like making public its own industry that we like that we the west can't exploit you know like they mm, yeah. they don't want you to root for the like for the people that are trying to make their lives better when it goes against their own interests so exactly. like yeah. yeah yeah well yeah and i think that 
exactly what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I think on the opposing side of things, like on the sort of, you know, center left, left, like the liberal, let's just say liberal mainstream media. I think like what I what I found interesting from all three cases is it's not so much what they're reporting on. It's like it seems to be kind of like what they they don't report on. Like, yeah. and, and I know that yeah. that's everyone knows that that's something that's like thrown around a lot. But it is interesting. I think from all three cases, like mm-hmm. we can see what they're decidedly not talking about and the reasons mm-hmm. why you know yeah yeah i did find that very interesting and also just the more that you look into it and the effort like if you just take that tiny amount of effort to actually pay attention to what you're reading it is so noticeable like the bias is kind of like screaming at you when you're reading these media um when you're reading like these articles and watching these media videos and all that kind of stuff, it is blatantly obvious when you know what you're looking for or when you are specifically looking yeah. for it. But I also know that like I am susceptible to consuming media and not thinking about it and like not analyzing mm. it and just taking it for what it is. And I, but think, I think we all are. Oh yeah, I know, like a hundred percent. And I think it's like always trying to put that crit- critical mind to everything that you consume is exhausting. But as soon as you do, it is like so obvious and you're just like, oh my God, how did I not see this before? Yeah. I also think it's like mm. a muscle. I think it's like, you know, like sometimes it's like when you haven't read a book in a little while, it's like hard to read a book, but then you do it yeah. for a little bit and stops. I think like it you like it 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 gets like easier to do as you just like do it. And it and if you I feel I'm assuming that if you can do it for long enough, it can just be the way that you like receive any sort of media. Mm. Yeah, but I think and, it's, I think I'm sorry, I'm just going to say this. Um I always yeah, have this conversation with people that I know about the concept of critical thinking and that critical thinking was is never really a taught thing until like through school kind of uni kind of but it is very much something that I think we are now developing as our modern technology and like worlds develop because we have to be like now with everything about fake news and the way that we consume consume media, we have to be very conscious of critical thinking. Yeah. And that but is I think, becoming I think there's like I think there's a divide there. It's like on one hand, for a certain group of people it's helping and then for another group of people it's making everything worse. Yeah. Well yeah. Uh, that's anyways, okay. And I think I think an ongoing theme that I that I noticed, which we kind of touched on last week, which I'll just talk about briefly, is like I, I think I it, you know like when you know you ingest a bunch of information and then it sort of solidifies into something. I think a lot of the time, like social media becomes a big part of the kind of wall that is like created on either side of an argument, and I and I think it's important mm. to like look at the media to remember that like it does operate differently while kind of working alongside social media to um to create opinion but it's not necessarily directly as uh, divided as social media might be but that they, they operate mm. against and, and working with each other to yeah. create yeah. ideas yeah. especially when you know you you notice a lot of the time that like journalists like will will uh, just have someone's twitter post they'll stick it in the article and then not comment mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of is telling a very blatant story yeah. compared to like I think, piece or whatever. And like social media is so pointed. Like it kind of has to be, it has to be very blunt. Yeah, yeah. It has to be short. It has to be to the point. And so there is, you know, the bias or the opinion or whatever side comes through immediately. Whereas with articles, yeah, well, when it's, yeah, you're reading when it like, a- a thousand words and eventually you figure out, oh, this is what they're trying to say. 
That's what that's what like yeah people that gets the most exposure at least yeah exactly yeah. yeah okay well okay I don't know I don't I don't have anything else to add about what any findings any surprises any disappointments always disappointed <laughs> disappointed <laughs> no, no I'm I, I'm honestly pretty I yeah like I was saying like obviously I hate this story about Bolivia but like I'm very happy that things the resilience of Bolivia I'm rooting for Bolivia I think. I like. I didn't know anything about Bolivia before this, really. Um, no, Dad said I knew nothing about Bolivia. <laughs> yeah, then, me too. And, me too. Really, nothing. <laughs> and now I'm all Bolivia. about those Boliv- Bolivians, man. Like that. Yeah, I think the fact that this has happened, that like the, mm. the, the, that the mass is back back in, mm. is like a surprisingly optimistic ending to a story like this. Like I feel like, yeah, to yeah. compare it to Azerbaijan, like to the uh, Nagorno Karabakh thing, it's just like. So many of these big, sad stories mm-hmm. just end so poorly. It's like, ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you went to war and you lost ever, you lost even more. But these guys, like, they went through it and then they came out like in a good position again. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad, with in terms of Hong Kong, that like, you know, I, like, it, you know, before, like, you know, like experiencing at that point in time, I was experiencing both sides of the coin of reading stuff on Vox or watching Vox videos, I mean, and like going like, oh, and then seeing stuff on online when I was becoming more attached to like online communities or uh, Reddit, I don't know, whatever. Like, and, and seeing stuff, tanky shit and going like, but what is the truth? And it, it, the, the truth is kind of both and neither and in the middle. And I think it's good to, to go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for taking this little, little ride Thank with you. us. Appreciate uh, it. Next week we're going to be... We get some celebrity, mysterious, uh, mysterious celebrity goss. Yeah, it's going to be light uh, again next week. Light again. Uh, keep it light. Light, yes. Keep it chill. It's gotten gonna heavy it over chill. here at uh, Opeds HQ for a fair fucking fair whack. Wow. I feel like what the yeah, last, exactly. like, yeah. like the gonna, free Britney one was the last fun one that we did. And since I know, then, now we've got to we gotta smoke guys. some... We, well, I mean, like, not political and, like, uh, very nuanced. Like, more clear. It's fine. It's oh, okay. all right. <laughs> well, well, well. The next week we're going to be smoking some weed, chilling back, putting on our it's fucking backwards weed. caps. And Imagine just if we chilling. had, if we were all still, if we all still smoked weed and we all just smoked weed while I don't know what you're talking about. I still smoke hell weed, man. It would be very Come different. Come on, bro. I'm it would be a weed. very different I'll smoke weed right now. Summer's here, baby. Come on. It's 28 <laughs> degrees, man. I'm going to smoke some weed. Come on, Don't listen to what I'm saying. Don't think about it. Whatever. Don't think about it. Tom. Don't Tom, think about shit, man. It's don't think degrees, about it. Don't think about COVID what negative what it would as, be as, like. as of twi- oh, twenty minutes up. ago. You people are so annoying. I'm, I'm COVID negative, man. Come on. Oh, right. congratulations, Tom. Uh, congratulations, Tom. Thank Tom. you. Once yes. Again. Let's let's, let's before we get into that. Let's let's say our goodbyes and the thing, and then and then we'll Bye. discuss. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to email us with any feedback or any any um criticisms or anything at all you can email us at opheadspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on instagram at opheadspodcast uh you can find my writing stuff and updates at cowardspace.com or coward underscore space on any of the socials apart from the ones i've not heard of yes and you can follow me on Instagram, Rachel underscore Morrow. People are probably my name is spelled R A C H A E L. By the way, A E L. I spell my mum's name like that now because I'm so used to writing your name down. Huh? When I type in my mum's name, I instinctively do it A E L because I've been Aww. typing your name so much around this podcast. Hey, that's so nice. I love yeah, if it's that. It's Tom's mum. <laughs> my own mother, who turned Next. sixty. Happy birthday, mum! Who happy turned birthday, sixty? Happy birthday, Rachel! Rachel. And happy, happy birthday, birthday to Rachel. me for the other week. 
Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Jeb. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Mad- Madeline, my little sister, just turned 24. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. 24. Big two, four. Right before walking nice. down your I goddamn door. I still feel like door. I'm 24. That freaks me out. Yeah, follow me nowhere on nothing or on or on, or on Letterboxd. Oh, yeah. Or on Tumblr. Okay, guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Toodaloo. Okay, Zemo. Hi, sir. How are you?